Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. 11 to 1. Yes, it is Word Foolery Wednesdays. Every month on the show, we delve into the fascinating and sometimes downright strange origin stories behind words. And this month, our words are food related, which might give you a clue. So we're discussing everything from Pavlova to our mystery word, Groak. And the girl who has a way with words, author Grace Tierney from Stamullen, is on the line. How are you doing, Grace? Hi, Sinead. It's very appropriate that you're doing things about picnic benches. I should have looked up picnic. <laughs> oh, yes. I didn't even think of that. There you go. It is absolutely. Now, you've chosen words associated with foods I, I knew there was a reason that I liked having you on this show you're speaking my language here you know what I mean uh, but pronunciation wise I'm going to be dire today let me just put that out there straight away but uh, let's kick off with Parmentier is that right? Parmentier I oh, think because it's French okay, okay. but uh, pretty close pretty close and I like to throw you a few curveballs <laughs> just to keep you on your toes <laughs> pronunciation crack um, yeah I thought I'd start with something about potatoes because um, well they're sort of our natural yeah. Food, really, aren't they? And I love potatoes. <laughs> so that's the main reason. But uh, these are a little bit fancier than your mammy's mash now, although I'd say your mammy's mash is lovely. But uh, it's a French dish. So basically, you cube up the potatoes and you roast or fry them with garlic or uh, some herbs. It's actually super popular oh, in my house. Yes, they're lovely. Them somewhere but not known that they're parmentier potatoes. There you go. But uh, you may recall that uh, potatoes actually come from South America, so they're not native to Europe, but they were introduced to Europe in the 1600s. However, I didn't know this. Outside of Spain and Ireland, they were only used for animal feed. Oh. And in France, they were actually, it was illegal to grow them because it was believed that they caused leprosy, which clearly they don't. Um, in the 1700s, uh, a particular man, Antoine-Augustine Parmentier, hence the name, uh, he was a French pharmacist and he got involved with the whole potato debate. So while serving with the army in the Seven Years' War, he was captured. And while he was held as prisoner of war, the only thing he was fed was potatoes. Um, however, he survived very healthy until his release and then decided, right, I need to start a campaign to get these legalized because we need the food for the peasants and the people of France. And he was so clever about how he did it. He gave bouquets of potato blossoms to the king and queen. He surrounded his potato farm with armed guards during the day to suggest that he was growing something really valuable. And then he withdrew them at night so that people would creep in and steal the potatoes. 
which Brilliant. I just think is insanely clever. He also threw dinner parties to show off how delicious the potato dishes were, and this is how the Parmentier potatoes got invented. And he eventually got them made legal. In 1772, they made it legal to eat potatoes in France, and we haven't really stopped eating them since then. His tombstone is in Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, which is where Oscar Wilde is buried, um, and it's decorated with carvings of potato plants. And when people visit their, his grave, they leave potatoes on it instead of flowers. I love <laughs> Before Mr. Tato, we had this guy. Do you know what I mean? Like revolutionising yeah. potatoes and, and the use of them. I love it. That is brilliant. I mean, when you eat those potatoes now, you're going to think of this fantastic story. Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, this next one, uh, yeah, I'm going to need help. Salma Gundy. Is Correct. It? Okay. You're doing well. That's oh, there we go. too. <laughs> Yes, Salma Gundy. Um, I actually use Salma Gundy in all of my books. At the end, I always have a chapter of random words that I can't fit into a theme, but they're just too good to leave out. And I call that my Salma Gundy chapter. But it's mainly because I actually really like the word. So it's um, basically a mishmash of a dish. The recipe is never the same, but the idea is to arrange a selection of cold ingredients on a platter, whatever you have to hand, and then you top it with a dressing of some sort, usually spicy. So potential ingredients would include meat, fish, eggs, fruit, edible flowers, nuts, like literally anything that's edible you can put in the plate, put a dressing on and you go, oh yeah, what are we having for tea tonight? We're having salmagundi. It entered English in the late 1600s from French and apparently it was a common dish on pirate ships, which gives it an extra little flourish. Uh, About 100 years later, the name was corrupted into Salmon Grundy as a person's name and turned into an English nursery rhyme, which goes like this. So Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, buried on Saturday, sorry, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday, that was the end of Solomon Grundy. Oh, listen, the, the, the rhymes were grim, weren't they? <laughs> they were. Well, they didn't pull any punches with kids' stories and rhymes back in the day. Yeah. So if you, all you have is leftovers tonight for dinner, tell them you're giving them Salomon Grundy. Salomon Grundy, love it. Now, this is something I do know a lot about and uh, I love this very summer kind of dessert, uh, the pavlova. Isn't it just? Now, you yeah. can have that in your picnic bench and if you do, I'll be over because I love yes. pavlova. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so I think everybody knows it's meringue base and then it's topped with cream and fruit, whatever way you want to do it yourself. But uh, did you know it's named after a ballerina? No. Yes. So Anna Pavlova, uh, she was, lived from 1885 to 1931 and she was incredibly famous as a ballerina. Um, the dish was probably invented in either Australia or New Zealand and they would practically go to war over who has the naming rights to this one because basically she did a tour in the 1920s and they invented the dish for the tour but uh, both countries claim it. So I'm not going to get into the middle of that because <laughs> I, all of the um, people from the Antipodes will not be happy with me if I make a decision on that one. Um, but Anna was an amazing person. She once completed 37 pirouettes on top of a moving elephant. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. I can manage one (laughs) if I really try. Um, She travelled the world performing and she was known for her charity work, especially with refugee orphans after World War I. When she died, I just think they gave her the best send-off ever. Her scheduled performance went ahead without her. So this is an old ballet tradition, apparently. The whole cast performed with the single spotlight circling the stage where she would have been dancing. 
Oh. I just think that it's really tragic, but it would yeah. have been amazing to have been there. Oh my God, I can like visualise that as you're saying it. That's incredible. Again, another appreciation for this fantastic summer dessert. You can be, you can, you know, if you're having a dinner party and you're serving pavlova, what a great story to tell to wow your dinner guests. I mean, really, that's brilliant. Um, the next one, uh, Tarte Tatan. Is it? Yes. Yes. And well done again. <laughs> and another dessert. You can tell I have a sweet Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm um, with you there. Do you like apple pie? Are you an apple pie kind of person? Big fan of an apple pie. Right. And have you had tarte tatin? Because it's a variation on the apple Is pie. Is this like kind of sour? Well, it should be reasonably sweet. So maybe okay. it's got a bad one. <laughs> maybe it's got a bad one, yeah. But a tarte tatin is an upside down apple tart. So the apple tarts usually here will have a top and a bottom of pastry. This one just has a bottom of pastry and then the apples caramelised on top of the pastry. Okay, And this was created via a very happy accident. So in the late 1800s, there were two sisters, Stephanie and Caroline Tatin, and they ran a hotel in the Loire region outside Paris that catered to city visitors and hunters. And they were cooking in haste one day and they put a dish of apple slices in the oven but forgot to put the pastry in for the apple tart. So they threw on a sheet of pastry on top and then flipped it over to serve it. And contemporary accounts describe the hotel opposite the train station as being an oasis of fine dining and that the dish was the crowning jewel in the menu. Same of the dish spread after they died, um, thanks to Maxime's restaurant in Paris, which is quite a famous one even today. But it does involve a somewhat doubtful tale of recipe theft and industrial espionage, which Mm. I love. So Louis Vaudible, I think that's how you'd say his surname, he was the longtime owner of Maxime's and he was absolutely dying to get the tarte tatin recipe because everybody was talking about it. So he went out to where the hotel was and was trying to cozy up with the kitchen staff and find things out. He was getting nowhere. So he got himself hired on in disguise as a gardener. And three days later, he was fired as being completely incapable of doing any gardening whatsoever. But in the meantime, he had worked out the recipe and he unveiled the sister's dish on his own menu as tarte tatin and it became famous after that. (gasps) The theft. You see, ruthless they are in the food industry as oh, well, aren't they? Do anything, oh, they do. Well, they're granny to get a decent recipe. <laughs> they really would. Now, moving to our mystery word. Uh, now, I think I'm way off the mark here. I thought to grok was to get sick. Uh, Mina, I think, has to have the best message in for this. If you chanced your arm with a female frog, you would grok her. She says as the mystery word. Uh, other people saying. Um, this is really interesting and I think this is probably where you're going to come in and tell us that we're right with this. Uh, a lot of people saying, um, uh, this is coming in from Majella in Drumconrath, is it begging? I remember my mother saying that to me many years ago when I was young because I was always eating and looking for food off my brother. Or another one says, I think groke is something like watching someone eat. I remember my gran many years ago saying something like that word and she would say it to us if we were staring at somebody eating and she says, ah, the flashbacks to my lovely granny, that's Tina in Navin. I reckon she maybe is on the right track, is she? I, I think this is lovely that we're bringing back people's grannies and mammies. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're absolutely on the money. So to grok is to gaze longingly at somebody else's food in the hope that they might share it with you. Uh. Or better still, simply hand you the entire plate, which is what my children usually do. <laughs> um, its origins are a bit vague, but the best guesses are that it might be Scots or possibly Ulster Gaelic. So if those grannies or mums had any background north of the border, that could be where it was coming in. Um, so I think groking was probably originally directed at maybe a wee dram of whiskey or a nice bowl of 
of porridge. Um, beware pets are particularly bad at groping. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, if you're out for dinner and somebody goes, oh no, I don't want dessert, I'm dieting. Oh, I'll just take a second spoon. And they end up eating your dessert. Yeah. They're grokers. Grokers, <laughs> I love it. So now, before you order your dessert in the restaurant, no groking, you can say to people. You know what I mean? You have a new word in your vocabulary. Grace, as always, thank you so, so much for joining us for that brilliant word, Fillery. You're very welcome. Lovely to talk to you. We'll talk to you next month. Thanks a million. Author Grace Tierney there. She has quite a few books out. She's always working on another one, but her latest one is Words Vikings Gave Us. You can find more information on wordfoolery.wordpress.com. And if you missed any of this, we will be podcasting it on lmfm.ie. 11 to 1. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.